Happy New Year, Cedarville family. Today on the show is 1993 alumnus Bill Montgomery. He is Mr. Connections. Not only is he the chief sales officer for 104.9 The River, he is also a Cedarville adjunct broadcast and digital media professor. He loves to connect people who can help one another. It is his gift and it is his ministry. Enjoy this conversation with your host, Mark Weinstein. Thank you, Sarah, for that introduction, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein, and we're off to a great start in 2021, and I want to thank you for being a faithful listener to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Joining me on the podcast today is Bill Montgomery, a 1993 graduate of Cedarville University and the chief sales officer for WCVO Radio, The River, in Columbus. Bill is also an adjunct instructor in the communications program at Cedarville, a board member with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and before before coming to The River, he was a sales director for Salem Radio in Seattle. It's an honor to welcome my friend, Bill Montgomery, to the podcast. Thanks, Mark. Great to be here with you. It's good to see you. We're doing this by Zoom. You're in Columbus, obviously. I'm in my office at, on campus. And, uh, Bill, each podcast brings its own personality. And I know that's going to be the same case today with you on the program. Um, but knowing this, um, I, I anticipate that uh, our conversation, knowing us, is going to be lively. It's going to be fun. But I know there's going to be some serious content. So I'm looking forward uh, to our conversation. And I hope our listeners are ready for this good conversation. When I think of you, Bill, the words or phrases that come to mind are passion for ministry, networking, and communication. So to share the gospel, one needs to know and believe it. It has to be part of one's life. Can you share with us your spiritual journey? Absolutely. Um, uh, it's funny, I hear so many stories of different people and, and, you know, the, sometimes the very long life journey that God has taken them on where he's led them to himself. Um, and, and a lot of those have a lot of bumpy roads and a lot of hard times. Um, and I'll tell you, I, I, I have lived a very blessed life in that I, I had two parents that, you know, met each other in church, uh, were high school sweethearts and and instilled the love that they had for Jesus in their kids. And so, you know, probably from a very early age, um, uh, probably about age four, I remember uh, my dad had moved from central Ohio to Chicago to uh, get some classes at Moody Bible Institute. And I remember going to a vacation Bible school there and they and they shared the gospel. And and I responded at that time. Um to, to the gospel. And, and not that, you know, at age four, I think you really have a complete and full understanding of what that means. Uh, you know, you probably have about as good of a John three sixteen uh, right. understanding. Right. But, right. You know, and, and, and probably in, in my elementary years, you know, like a lot of kids, you, you hear the gospel shared. And I, I think I, you know, asked, asked to put my faith in Christ several times over that time. Cause you're just unsure and you, and you want to be sure. You're um, not alone. Yeah. And, and so it was probably even at my time at Cedarville, um, where through a, a chapel speaker, where it's, it's understanding it's more than just fire insurance. It's more than just, I, I want to, you know, make sure that my future is secure, but that I actually want to live a life that 
seeks to honor Christ, to follow what Jesus would have and, and to be in his will. And, and so I remember, you know, kind of taking that step, even at Cedarville and going, no, this is, this isn't just my parents' faith. This isn't just the faith of my church, but this is, this is how I want to live the rest of my life, whatever that, that means. And not to say, you know, in the easy part, there hasn't been bumps along the way, but, but that's really probably the time when I fully committed to this is what I want to do with my life. Yeah, thanks for thanks for sharing and, and hearing your story. It's obvious, at least to me, knowing you as as well as I do, that you would work someday or always in Christian ministry of some kind. Um, early in your career, you served as a children's and and men's ministry pastor. Um, I'm interested about that right now. How did the Lord cultivate the interest of ministering to children and men come into your heart? How did you get that passion to do that? You know, it probably started back in in high school um, as a as a younger kid. Um, I had been involved in an Awana program. Uh, probably a lot of your listeners are, are familiar with that if their churches uh, where where they had had been have had those. Um, and it's I think a ministry that's still going pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, it had just been very formative in my life of just being involved with the leaders that were there and learning scripture um, and making that a part of my life. And so. As I moved into high school, um, I began to be able to do some leadership in that. I began to do some leadership in children's church. You know, being a pastor's kid, a lot of times you get thrown into, you know, holes in ministry that the church has. Hey, we need somebody here. We need somebody there. And and I remember my dad saying, hey, can you lead the, you know, children's church with me? And then eventually it, it became something that I did. And so even throughout my my business career, I was always involved in things like Awana or children's ministry, um, eventually moved into, you know, to men's ministry. And so when the opportunity came vocationally, I, I didn't expect to do that, but it had been something that I was doing as a volunteer and loved doing. I, I, I love working with kids um, yeah, you do. Of, of many ages, you know, young all the way to, to college kids. And so that's why we get along so well. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So yes, I, I, that's what, really where that that passion came is just from a, a lifetime of of doing that. Okay, so um, did you know Awana has a Cedarville connection? No, I don't know that I did. Did you do you do you know uh, Kim Algram from campus? I do know Kim Kim Algram's grandfather, who has recently passed away, was a founder of the Awana ministry. No. Yep. Incredible. And the year he passed away, which I believe was the same year Billy Graham passed away, there are prisoners in a prison somewhere in the South that built a casket for Kim's grandfather and for Billy Graham, a wooden casket. So that's a little free information that I'm sending your way, that Awana has an indirect way connection with our university through Kim Algram. I love that. And, and again, I'm not disappointed. I'm always learning stuff every time I, I get together with you, Mark. So that's uh, uh, continuing the tradition. <laughs> there we go. You're, you're doing uh, children's ministry, men's ministry, which is great. But ultimately, you, you felt a call to, I think, go into radio, Christian radio. So walk us through that feeling. Why did you feel like you were being called to do what you're doing now? Uh, first in Seattle, now in, in Columbus. Yeah. Um, you know, it's Studying in the in the broadcasting program um, at Cedarville uh, under Jim Leitenheimer, who is is still there and and, and right. doing a, a great job, um, that really cultivated the the passion for me and, and some other graduates um, 
that that I saw do do radio there, both while I was there, like uh, Bobby Heil or Jim Hauser, um, and then even some grads uh, like Mike Reed, um, who had been at, at Salem at the time, and and so just keeping connections with those people, and then kind of having a desire to to kind of have a a dual role in, I can do radio, which is a lot of fun and it's kind of the entertainment industry, but I can tie that in with, with business. And, and cause I tend to work, I have worked mostly on the, on the sales side of that and go, the revenue that's coming in is doing things that share the gospel, that get the word out both in, in spoken word in preaching in talk shows as well as in music uh, as I've worked in in all those formats and so it just it it was really a a passion and I've even had opportunities to go into you know secular radio stations which by the way have have their place and and that that's not a bad thing but the whole time I just have always felt like God has wanted me to stay in in Christian media and just raise the level there uh, to the best that I can of making sure that that you know Christian media is on par with with all media, and that it's not a second class citizen. Yeah, and uh, the River in Columbus isn't that one of the leading Christian radio stations in the country? Um, we would sure like to believe so. Um, and and we've had you know we've been Station of the Year through the CMB, the Christian Music Broadcasters, right. a couple of times in the ten year, uh, well, actually now twelve years that I've been here. And so yeah, um, we we definitely have done, you know, what we can to, to do radio with excellence and even share that with other people. You know, we've got a a number of folks on our staff that, that speak nationally at at some of those things. And and we try to help smaller operators. Um, You know, our engineer has gone and, and, you know, done work at other places just so that we can make sure that they can do their ministry as effectively as we've been able to do ours. Yeah, that's a great thing to do. And that speaks to the heart of, of you and, and the, the River team. And, and I'm honored to know that uh, you have, what, six people from Cedarville who work on staff? Yeah, I think our, our total, and it's, and it's ebbed and flowed a little bit. But, yeah, I think right now it's, uh, there's six of us here that, that are all Cedarville grads from, you know, the, the old guys like me, uh, you know, back in the, in the 90s. We probably have people from every decade um, you know, since then. You're also involved in other ministries, including ways to use sports to share the gospel, which I have the same interest as you. Um, I love using sports as a platform to share the gospel. Uh, One example that you're involved in, and that's the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. How have you used this opportunity to minister in Columbus? The Fellowship of Christian Athletes, especially here in Columbus, and I realize their ministry can look very different, you know, all over the country, uh, depending on what they're doing. Um, But here it's very active in the uh, Columbus City Schools. Um, And and that's where I went to school. So I went to a Columbus City School. And, you know, as we know, in most, you know, most uh, large cities, city schools get a bad reputation. They've got a lot of challenges, um, funding and education and, and other right. things. And it's amazing that uh, Tim Brown, who is the the camps and uh, director and also is involved in a lot of the campuses, um, and he's been involved there for a long time, principals and administrators are saying to uh, to Fellowship of Christian Athletes, would you come in here? We'll, we'll give you a classroom in the school. We'll give you access to our sports teams um, we will let you come in here because they want character development in the schools. And so it's been exciting to see, you know, athletes that are, are at the school level and, and, and be able to, 
you know, have the gospel shared in the hallways, in the classrooms, have athletes take that out with a platform, use that on social media. Um, you know, even here during COVID, they've, you know, done videos and, and you know, been, you know, having huddles where they're getting together and encouraging people. And so just seeing the, the gospel shared into the public schools and then seeing the gospel going out from the public schools into the, gr the broader community through uh, faith-based athletes has just been a really exciting thing to be a part of. When did that love of combining sports with ministry uh, take root in you and where were you? How did that happen? You know, it's it's probably like like a lot of kids, you you idolize sports heroes and and when you've got those sports heroes, but then you hear a faith aspect of that brought in. Um, you know, so when I was when I was a a a kid in the or a, a young adult in the nineties, I was a big Chicago Bulls fan. Um, in fact, we were just but before the podcast, looking at your picture with with Michael Jordan, which is kind of uh, kind of fun. And and while hey, you know, it, it's great to see Michael Jordan. If I could see somebody with faith, and I remember a, an old Sports Spectrum magazine that had Horace Grant on the, uh, the cover, and and just reading about his life and reading about guys on those teams like B.J. Armstrong and others that were Christians, it it was just great to to see that connection and how that had a platform. And so when when I got a little more settled in my business life in fellowship of Christian athletes um, and could see that, you know, there were coaches like Jim Tressel, there were, uh, okay, understand your, your concern for, for him and the university he used to be associated with. Um, but, uh, but even uh, guys like Clark Kellogg, uh, who was, uh, is very involved with the NCAA tournament, but played for Ohio state, played for the Indiana Pacers. Um, and I would just get around these guys who, who loved to share their faith. Um, Mike Singletary was a guy from the bears. He, the FCA brought into town. They would bring in a, a number of guys to speak. Dave Dravecki. Uh, I remember hearing, uh, you know, just so many, so many big names and, and hearing their faith and how they use that in sports. I'm, I'm listening to a podcast right now that uh, Nick Foles is doing. Uh, you know, he won a Super Bowl with the Eagles uh, when Carson Wentz went down. He's now a, a Bears quarterback and, and trying to find that winning way again, uh, which is a little tough. But just to see a, a guy of faith and, and share the ups and downs of that um, and, and how that that plays out, it, it just there's a part of society that lives and dies by sports. And when you can inject faith into that, I think it's a it's a big deal. It's what makes uh, sports real and come alive for me. I mean, I, I love supporting my teams and, and I'm a Bulls fan as well, like you, not a Bears fan, but, but when you can weave that component of faith in Christ, it makes it all the better. I can actually root for an opponent if I know his faith story. I don't know if, if that's the case for you. Um, I, I may temper that a little bit if he's playing against my team, but um, I do follow athletes based on whether I've heard their faith story or not. And that's cool. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very much the, the same way. Yeah. So I want to transition from ministry to networking, if I, if I can. And I want to talk with you about a networking opportunity that led you to a ministry that actually you and I both participated in. That's the, that was the NHL All-Star Faith Breakfast a few years ago in Columbus. It was a great event. Uh, I remember hearing uh, Doc Emmerich sharing his testimony. He, he used to work at Geneva College, where I used to work as well. How were you able to use your networking skills to impact this ministry? I found it fascinating because I didn't know this, um, but the, the group that, that uh, brought that NHL All-Star Breakfast uh, faith breakfast to Columbus travels around wherever the NHL all-star game is. And so uh, one of the 
uh, chaplains of uh, the Blue Jackets at that time was a guy by the name of Brian Hansen who uh, lives in Cedarville. Um, and, and so he reached out. He had been a former youth pastor uh, at, at a church that I go to in Columbus. And, and so in talking with Brian, he said, hey, we, we've got this thing. They form a, a kind of an ad hoc committee that, that works on this uh, with the national organization out of, out of Canada. Would you like to be involved? And I said, sure. And from that, I could find people like yourself that, you know, have PR skills or have networking skills or have fundraising skills that have, you know, how can you connect in churches so that they can use the platform of the all-star game to bring people together in a prayer breakfast that may not ever get to hear that message. And, and I know that there were people that, that weren't believers that came that morning you know, during the all-star weekend. Cause they're like, are you kidding me? I get to go to all-star weekend. I get to, you know, hear these, these players speak. Um, and so, yeah, it, it allowed me to use a lot of the connections that I have to get people in the room to, to hear the gospel. Yeah. And, and that was as much about sharing the gospel as, as I would say, somewhat of an encouragement and discipleship opportunity for people who have uh, lived in the faith for a long time it was very encouraging uh, a morning. And obviously, um, as we would know, as we were young sports fans, to be a part of a, such a big spectacle would be like unbelievably encouraging and exciting. Yes, absolutely. I, I was surprised that, that, you know, guys like us could just come in and, and help run something like that. It was, it was pretty cool because the NHL basically lets them come in and you know, here's a room and here's a, you know, you're on the agenda. You know, they're, they're part of All-Star Weekend. Yeah, I forget what Laurie's last name was. He's the former NHL player, but he was fascinating to, to work with as well. Oh, yes, absolutely. I'm sure most people listening to the podcast today have heard the phrase six degrees of separation. If you haven't heard that phrase, it just means that all people on average, have six or fewer social connections away from somebody else. As I think about Bill Montgomery, that might be needed to be amended to maybe four degrees of separation because you are so well connected. Uh, and this speaks to your ability to network with people, uh, which you do very well. What's your secret in networking so well? It's, it's a great question because I, I kind of have developed networking where it's it, it's a little bit instinctual. So I almost have to think through what am I doing because you don't, you kind of don't realize that you do something that other people maybe don't understand how to do well. And, and so it's, it's kind of, you know, in, in some sense, getting in a room and going, I want to meet who these other people are. I want to hear their story. I want to know what they do. I want to find out, you know, my mind when I, when I meet somebody goes, who do I know that could use what this person does. And that automatically creates four or five other connections. And, and so some of my greatest days are when, you know, I take this person that I know and this person that I know, and they've never met and I can put them together and they benefit. I mean, it, it happened this week with a friend of mine that just recently lost his job uh, in, in uh, talk radio due to downsizing in, in the difficult time that we're in and got to introduce him to another friend of mine that's the general manager of a different station, said, you guys need to meet one another. And, you know, they got together this week and, and you just walk away going, that feels good. These, these guys are connected. And so I think it's that desire that God has put in me to just continue to see connections of how can this person that I know benefit this person that I know and vice versa. And uh, I think it's Zig Ziglar that said, uh, you can get everything in life that you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. 
And, and I think that's, that's really what's happened to me over time is if I can connect this person, to this person, God kind of takes care of the rest of, of the business opportunities that are, that are out there for me. In, in a nutshell, really, it's, it's ministry for you. You know what's funny? I've never thought of it that way, but I think that's exactly what it is. It's, it's just a, you know, a way to, to, to give and, and help people benefit, um, which is, is very much ministry. It's, it's how can I encourage other people uh, in, in their life? I mean, you probably have answered this in some way, but I'm going to ask the question again. So why is networking so important to you? I don't know if that's the, the salesman in me, but I feel like, you know, we talk about artificial intelligence and that's how the world is going to get done in the future. And, and the reality of it is not the networking side of it and not the connections part of it. And, and you know, that's, that's how I feel like a lot of life gets done is is through mutual connections, you know, kind of the, it's not what you know, it's who you know, and not in an unfair or, or you know, bad way, but if, if the more people are connected, people like to do things with people that they like, and if, and if you can connect people and get them together, um, you know, life is richer, life is more full, life is better uh, in, in those ways, and, and so I just... I think it makes everybody's life better when you can put people together that uh, that connect. Yeah, I would agree. So, obviously, we're talking on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Uh, as I said earlier in, as in the introduction, you're an adjunct instructor. So you're on a college campus, our college campus, uh, once a week during the school year. Um, in, in regards to networking, what advice would you give students in your class or just students in general about uh, uh, connecting with people and networking? Um, any thoughts there? Absolutely. I, I actually have in one of my classes, um, I do a module on networking and, and talk about that. And I've even gone and given that at, at high school groups and, and different groups like uh, the International Center for Creativity that delivers the uh, industrial design program for, for Cedarville's juniors and seniors here in Columbus. So I've, I've been able to talk to them. But the, the, the networking advice that I give them is, uh, and, and I think this fits well on the podcast, is use Cedarville. Uh, it is amazing to me that people that have that Cedarville connection um, love to help other people that have the Cedarville connection. Um, and, and so I, I say, you have a network out there that you may not even know you have, and, and maybe you need that through the alumni office or through you know, the, the, the jobs office, uh, but you've got people out there that will probably help you or help you get somewhere if you use the Cedarville name um, connect around that. And, and people love helping other Cedarville graduates because I, I think Cedarville students overall have done a very good job of having that name mean something. And, and companies, when they see Cedarville, it means something positive to them. Uh, to most alumni, that, that name means something very good to them. Yeah, I think it does. And I think, I think uh, obviously, that's a tribute to our students and our graduates. But I also think it's a tribute to Jeff Reap and the Career Services team uh, of preparing our students. They, they do a great job from day one when they get here as freshmen to get them ready for what's going to come after graduation. So good, good advice. So I know from talking with you also, Bill, at length about the topic of communication and radio, uh, you credit uh, as you just did, uh, your education at Cedarville for assisting you in serving, ministering, and networking. Why do you think so many communication students from Cedarville, I'm going to name a few, uh, you've mentioned some already, but like Joy Summers at Way FM or Mike Reed at Salem, Paula Ferris at ABC, Eric Case at Star FM, and even Jim Hauser at Caleb. 
how have the, all these people, yourself, how have you guys achieved so much success in broadcast media? You know, I, I don't know how far back it goes, um, but I, I, I certainly know that, that people like Jim Phipps and Wes Baker and Jim Leitenheimer, um, and, and those names have been around Cedarville for a long time, you know, and, and some of them certainly less involved like Wes Baker and, and Jim Phipps now. But what I saw over time is they did a fantastic job of bringing graduates in industry back in to the program, which let those of us that were students know what was possible. And then you have mentors that are out there in, in, in the industry. And, you know, there's a bunch of names of people that, that Jim Leitenheimer brought back in was when I was a student. Um, in my classes, I probably brought in four or five or six grads. And sometimes it's bringing in graduates. Sometimes it's bringing in just industry leaders. But they, they keep people on the forefront of where the industry is going. And so no matter what decade you're in, you're talking with you know, the people that are in, in the industry and many of them, the best of the best of the industry. And so you get a sense of, I can do this. Those, they offer internships, they offer, you know, opportunities. Uh, I know Jim Leitenheimer is very careful to only give the best of the best of his students, those opportunities, because he wants the very best of, of Cedarville to shine through. And he'll tell you, the other people, you need to, you need to up your game before I can send you out, you know, to represent us for an internship, because you're laying the groundwork for all the people that are going to come after you. Yeah, and in this podcast, we're using one of Jim's student interns, Ian Sarmiano. It does a great job of editing this podcast. He'll make us sound really good once this is all said and done. Bill, we just have a few minutes left on the podcast. I have two areas I want to dive into briefly. One is fun. Actually, they're both fun, but you'll understand. So personally, I know you mentioned it already that you grew up in Chicago, and as a result, you're a Bulls fan, uh, which is great. I, I live across the lake from Chicago in, in southwest Michigan, and uh, the first Chicago Bull that I followed was Chet Walker because he was from my hometown. I noticed uh, during the Michael Jordan documentaries, like each episode, you would get on social media and reveal an MJ artifact because you are a collector of Michael Jordan artifacts. Tell me the story of how this hobby began and your ability to collect Michael Jordan items. You know, it's it's funny when you start collecting something, I don't think you realize how much of it you have until you do something like that and you start digging around. But it's funny. It started probably with with two things. Uh, Wheaties happened to do a whole lot of, you know, Michael Jordan on a Wheaties box and they would put a poster on it and saran wrap it and sell it that way. And you could get three different posters and do a life size poster. And and I had to have every one of those. So uh, the thing is, I don't even like Wheaties. So my dad, I think, had to eat a lot of Wheaties for, for me to get all these different posters. And then at the time I worked also, uh, and, and this was kind of the end of high school, beginning of college, and I worked at Lazarus. And that was when the Jordan brand started just coming out. And so I would use my employee discount to, you know, get some clothing and, and get some other things. And so it started that way. And then, oh, it's collect a baseball card. And, and then people know that you collect something. So they give you something here or something there. And, you know, it even came to the point where my, uh, after I got married, my in-laws for Christmas, you know, who are not frivolous people, um, thought they had done the funniest thing. And they bought me a life-size cardboard cutout of Michael Jordan that I, you know, had for, for many, many years. And so it just, 
it, it just ballooned and grew. You know, you get different books for, for Christmas and, and, and different things. And suddenly the next thing I know, I've got, you know, just a ridiculous amount of, of things, you know, cutting the covers off of Sports Illustrated is another way. And, and so there's probably not a lot of hard cash that's in a lot of it. It's just you collect everything that comes out and all of a sudden you have a ridiculous amount of, uh, of, of things. Do you have a favorite MJ item? That's a, that's a great question. You know, it's, it's probably one of those like old Wheaties posters that that's just one of the iconic, I think it was him uh, doing the free throw line dunk in, in the all-star game that was in Chicago. And I just love that, that poster. It's a great, it's a great shot. <laughs> uh, literally. And uh, on, on, <laughs> it, it's, it's a great shot. Um, so um, I was going to ask this question to you, but it just popped in my head. So if I made a print of the picture of Michael Jordan and myself, would that make your collection? Uh, I would, I would, I mean, I don't know. I don't have great cropping skills, (laughs) uh, but I could probably get some portion of that picture in my, uh, now, Hey, you, you send me that. It it would go up. Absolutely. (laughs) It it could even be autographed. I'll make sure it's autographed for you. I love that. I could say that I have an autographed Jordan picture. I just won't tell him whose autograph it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way you use it. That's, that's right. That's right. I love it. Oh, that's funny. Well, I really enjoyed ending on that, that note. But let me ask you um, a question I ask everyone as I end the podcast. And, you know, we're living in a crazy time right now, highlighted by COVID-19. With all that in mind, what's the Lord teaching you right now as you study his word? Right now, I... Uh... I think the the thing that I'm learning most, because as you said, it is a it is a crazy time, and and you know around here we always joke about the word unprecedented, you know, to the to the point where it's like I don't even want to hear the the word anymore. It's just ridiculous. James is a book that that there have been a lot of things that resonate with me, uh, probably because I I need to hear them over and and over. And it's it's James is a very much in your face. Here's how to live book. And I'm in a small group that that happens to be going through it again, and I, and I'm reading through the New Testament. And I just hit James again uh, at, at this time toward toward the end of reading through it this year, um, but I think the the being quick to listen and slow to speak is is a part that that God is really encouraging me with. And even as you know, I, I have strong opinions about stuff, but I don't think that unless God calls me to, it's not my job to put my strong opinions out there. And, and the most important thing to me, I think, right now is to have a biblical mindset in everything, but also listen to somebody else with the intent to not push them away from the gospel and to also let them know that they're valued, even if they are a different opinion than I have. And, and that's been super important with me. And I've had, I haven't had a lot of big conversations broadly over social media because I really don't do that, but I've had a tremendous amount of one-on-one conversations with people just to even listen to one another so that we can find some common understanding and also realize we don't have to move forward in judging people and being angry with people, but we can make sure that we're unified around the important things of the gospel in, in a lot of the, the things that are dividing us right now. Yeah, that, that's great advice. That's biblical, sound advice. It's also common sense that our country would be well served to heed as we continue with all the unrest and issues that we're dealing with. Hey, Bill, I want to really thank you for spending time with me on the podcast. It's great, always great to be with you. You know that uh, we have a lot of fun together. We have different sports teams that we follow, and we you always have the upper hand on me 
with me on that one. But someday the team up north is going to come through and uh, beat your school. But uh, until that day, we'll stay friends. And uh, I look forward to seeing you again. Mark, uh, a joy spending time with you. And and certainly I, I very much appreciate the podcast. I've, I've loved hearing from both people that I, I know very well. Uh, you know, the Jim Leitenheimers and Vic Walkers of the world and their stories. But I've heard people that I have never met at Cedarville and and hearing their journey is a is a blessing to me. So uh, keep doing the great job you're doing on the podcast. I really love it. Thanks. And uh, thanks for joining me this week on the podcast. We'll catch up with you later. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.